Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Give each other $20, okay? Put it on Underhill. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Mackey and Judd. Dave Harrigan's got some questions for us. And in a half hour, Doogie with some hopefully juicy local sports scoops. Always the juicy. last time he joined, he set off a firestorm all over got, the internet. They're still writing stories about his Andrew Wiggins report. He got from last Tibbs week. all worked into a tizzy the last yeah. time he appeared on our show. And Wiggins has played pretty well in, in a yeah. couple games. Like Doogie efficient, grabbing a rebound once in a while, maybe passing, knocking down some threes. All we do is motivate on the show. Golik and Wingo this morning were marveling about all the upsets and wackiness of this year's NCAA tournament. You know, you know the upsets. We don't have to go through them all. But we've had a lot of wackiness over the last few years. We've mentioned George Mason, Butler, what they did a few years back with a couple runs. A lot of high seeds making runs as Cinderella's. Leads me to this question, boys. What do you attribute the success in recent years of those high seeds, of those 9s, 10s, 11s? What do you think that has? Uh, what do you can you attribute it to? And is it time to expand the field? Um, I'll go first and start off by saying absolutely not. In fact, go back to '64. This at large, what the the what round now? What what are those playing games called? The some, opening round. Some the cute, first four. The first four. Get, go back to '64. It's good bookend branding. It's first four and final four. Go back. I think to they how, should pause it in the middle too and do like a middle four. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Go the quarter of the way done for. So friends, so friends, I would encourage you to go back to the '64 team field. Uh, I attribute it to the fact that the power schools, while while the big schools uh, can still get top talent, there is more talent. It scatters more now. It used to be in my when I was a kid. The talent went to, uh, what, all of 12 schools, let's say, 15 schools. Now you've got AAU kids who at times can be very good, and they're going to smaller schools and playing in different programs. And I really I really think what we're seeing now is you have more talent. And I'm not saying it's perfect talent, and I'm not saying they're fundamentally sound consistently, but it's more talent spread out. And, and if you don't go to Kansas, your, your life does not come to an end. If you don't go to Kentucky, it's not the end of the world. You can go to a smaller school. And what we talked about last segment is true as well, which is if you go to a school where you know I'm never going to probably play in the NBA, so I'm staying for four years and I got a good coach, and now I'm playing with three more kids who are there for three or four years, 
I've got a chance to beat you, even though you're ta- you're more talented because you're 19 and I'm 22. So I think uh, combination of things. I think I, just to spin off what you're saying, I think it's we probably overreact a little to the one and done stuff where it's just that there, we we almost act like well, there's 50 players that are leaving. You know, it's not quite that aggressive in terms of like you know program changing players that are leaving on a regular basis. There's only one Carl Anthony Towns in, in that draft. That being said, 20 years ago, Christian Leitner played out his entire career at Duke, right? He was in his early 20s by the end of it. And he plays with star freshman Grant Hill along the way. So you get both those guys on the same team. Imagine if Carl Anthony Towns was a senior this year, or a junior, whatever he would be, and also playing with these stud freshmen and sophomores these power programs were not only able to get the best talent, but they were able to build those teams. And maybe you don't get as many great freshmen if you also have a senior great player. But my point stands like you can you can build these crazy like UNLV back in the late 80s, early 90s. If you're building up over the course of a four year career of a star player. And so now what happens is like Duke is still in the tournament, but two of Duke's three best players, Grayson Allen's a senior, but they've got Marvin Bagley and Gary Trent Jr., Two freshmen who are incredible. And then Duke might win the whole thing. But when you have a team that's like Kentucky's the best example because it's four, it's five starting freshmen. And they run against Kansas State last night. And Kansas State's backcourt, which averages like 33 points per game combined, it's two juniors. And so those guys might not be as talented on the top end. But if you're going to give me a star a uh, collection of four or five young players, but then I I run into like this veteran team, like Wichita State has done that to some teams before, where there no one's going to the NBA, but they're all like really good juniors and seniors, and and their Butler has had that in the past. So I think it's more just you're building up these quality solid programs over time, and you got a fr- you got a maybe a freshman star who comes off the bench with like a senior point guard, senior shooting guard, and a and a junior uh, you know rebounding machine. And those teams with more experience have a better chance to pull upsets from a seeding standpoint. That's my uh, amateur take on it. Good enough. I've been upset all day today. People have been pushing my buttons, obviously the two of you. But it began far before the show began when Kenny Olsen decided to just flat out of the blue make the statement that Orida tater tots are better than any tater tot you can get prepared at a restaurant, watering hole, cafeteria, downstairs, whatever. But that's a lot of pressure to prepare them the right way. Like, I see what your point of view is here. My point of view is Kenny is an idiot and he's wrong. A ride of tater tots are, are lovely. They're just fine. But if you get them freshly prepared, fresh out of the fryer, it's, it's, it's 10 times better than your frozen tater tot out of the oven. It's just like any frozen pizza. You can have a wonderful frozen pizza, but yeah. if you get a great freshly prepared pizza... Sorry, it beats see, Judd, I can see it on Monday already. Dave Harrigan here for Orida Tater Tots. Yep. Your top choice for stuffing your face on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a pretty good endorsement right there. <laughs> Not getting an endorsement. Don't be silly. Uh, so the question is, what's your most controversial, hot, takey-ish, hot food-related take? You know, I've thought about this one. I've never said this before. I've never admitted this to myself. I could go the rest of my life and never eat turkey, and I would be fine. I would be fine the rest of my life if I never had another bite of turkey ever again. I don't think that's controversial. It's, I, I it's like totally the most popular. That. It's it's one of the most popular that. two or three meats in the country. I mean, I, we have a, a holiday that's built around turkey, for God's sake. Do you eat deli sandwiches at all? 
Because I would think that's how most people consume turkey. I used to eat a lot of deli sandwiches. I'm not really a deli sandwich guy. Anymore. I mean, I'll eat deli sandwiches. When I go to Subway, I usually get either the tuna or I get the uh, just the veggie delight with everything. And that's the- good for you, actually. The tuna's sure. not. The veggie delight is. That's great to hear, Joe. Thank you. I look at the calorie counts. I always, I do. I look at the calorie counts very closely. Oh, that's wonderful. Have you ever thought about like maybe starting your own? You should do like a video series, Judd Zolgad, Health Machine. <laughs> I don't, I honestly, if you came to me today and said, Judd, we, we can take away calorie counts from restaurants, I'd be very happy. My life has gone sort of in the crapper now because I hate <laughs> looking at calorie counts. Like, I do order food based on that. But, like, for years, for years I've How's been... How's that worked out for you? Well, for years I've been going to Chipotle, and I always get the chicken because I thought it, it was healthier than the steak. Did you know the chicken has more calories than the steak? I feel like you're bad at math, just sizing you up. <laughs> no, yesterday I got the steak. <laughs> Listen, you shouldn't be talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fatty studio is the fatty studio. <laughs> I just, yesterday I got the steak because for the first time I realized, oh my gosh, there's more calories in the chicken. But we've talked about this a million times on the show, okay? And again, I'm not Mr. Olympia over here, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Charles Alice. Conscious choices on, to, to eat the fried wings at Hooters in Fort Lauderdale a couple days ago. But I digress. If I give you a plate of broccoli and however much broccoli needed to get to 500 calories of broccoli. Sure. And then I give you over here, uh, like Snickers bars up to 500 calories. In sure. your world, those are the same thing. Because you only count calories. Oh, I see. Well, no, I'm just saying that the calorie like, count thing is very depressing. Back to the question. <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you, Judd, and that Phil's never eating turkey take. Not that controversial. No. Maybe not, not that in, hot. Maybe not in this room, I guess. Because I think it's warm, but it's not hot. I mean, chicken is far superior in all ways to turkey, but I feel, you have it for Thanksgiving. That's fine. I feel like the Thanksgiving turkey thing is really, it, it's like the, the opening day pitcher. We just do it because we're pro. Oh, it's the opening day pitcher. Who's it going to be, Skip? Yeah, but if someone. Oh, it's turkey. It's, 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 it's going to be white meat or dark meat. Turkey's bland. But if someone offered you, like, blackened pork chops instead of turkey on Thanksgiving, like, you'd totally rather have the blackened oh, pork yeah. chops, right? Or a good ham. A good honey. Yeah, yeah honey right? ham or something. I, I feel yeah, that yeah. we. Ham's I've, overrated, too. Really? That's what I said. I feel like you asked this question, but you are the one that, that had the answer. Well, because... Do you have an answer? Because you haven't given yours yet. That's a hot take if I've ever seen it. All right. That is a hot take. I, I go, I'll go. i go back to the, the one I've given a thousand times. And I know you absolutely find this repulsive. But my, my hot take as far as a, a compliment to the food is ketchup. Ketchup's good on everything. Ketchup is good on everything. Ketchup enhances almost everything. Unless it's a chicken Caesar wrap, which is where I draw the line. Which which I did for though, you. Which I did, and you saw it, and you're like, "My God, I can't believe you're doing that." And I said, "I'm absolutely doing." Have you that. ever substituted salad dressing for ketchup? Sure. Oh, I I like that too. Yeah, but like I'm just saying, like ketchup. When you'll order a nice like raspberry salmon salad, like and you'll you, put ketchup on it instead I, of vinaigrette. I feel like until that trip to Florida, that you you went along with my ketchup thing because you didn't think I took it as far as I did, but then you saw it at that restaurant. And you're like, I can't believe. I that think you I did saw that. Judd dipping wings into ketchup at one point. Oh, I've like done that dry before. rub wings oh, into ketchup. I've done it before. <laughs> I feel like Dave's ham comment was the hottest take of this entire of that. Question. It was pretty aggressive. Yeah, ham's overrated. I'll stand by that. It was pretty aggressive. Ham's fine. I feel about it like I feel about with turkey. You know, a freshly made See, turkey. It's fine. I feel turkey is bland. I don't mind turkey, but I feel it's bland. I do not find ham to be bland. 
And I'm not the biggest ham fan, mm. but ham is good. Should we just keep going on this yeah, conversation? That's great stuff. Okay. Uh, question number three. Uh, Pat Royce returned to the Twin Cities yesterday. I don't believe you ran into him at all, right? Judge, I haven't you out of the seen him or talked to him in, a- in ages. Well, let's just say he happens to be wandering the halls here in the next hour or so before the show's done, before you guys leave for the weekend. If you happen to turn a corner and there's Pat right in front of you, we know about the schism. We know all about the schism. We cold called Pat mid schism and he told us to go bleep ourselves, basically. What would you say to Pat? What would be the first thing out of your mouth if you just turn the corner and there he is in all his glory? The first thing I'm going to say to Pat when I see Pat without question is, how about that Lance Lynn signing, Pat? What do you think about it? <laughs> Give me your thoughts. What do you th- I mean, that Lance Lynn signing, my God, it's incredible. One year, $12 million. I mean, what, why, why didn't you come on and talk to us about that? I would have loved your thoughts at 1245 about two weeks ago on like a Thursday. Yeah, yeah I mean, we were trying to find out. We were desperately trying to get a, a guest yeah. from the fort. We couldn't get one. Man. So what are your thoughts about Lance Lynn? That'll yeah. be my I think, question to Pat. I think right when you're done having that conversation, uh, when I run into Pat, I think I would just hold out my hand and say, where's our royalty check? Because I started making a tally during the commercial break. It's only a two-hour show, for God's sakes. Like, Pat, from three to four, gets to sit in this van of radio hosts with Rookie and Height and Reavers. Like, he barely has to talk. If he, you know, Three to four, kick your feet up. Right? What do you got, Johnny? Let's exactly. get Exactly, kick your feet up. So, really, the only heavy lifting he's doing is four to six. And from four to six, which is half the amount of time you and I are on the air yes. every week. And not to mention those two's out two hours, Reavers doesn't shut up anyway. Right. So like you can just let Reaver put a quarter in Reavers for God's sakes. <laughs> so instead of instead of those things, here are the items that Pat steals directly from our show Ooh. or just takes and spins as his own without giving us any royalties. A scoop post game show. Yep. Easy segment once a week, right? I believe they have a segment, maybe, is it every day? They have something like Piping Hot Takes, which is kind of a steal off Write That Down Predictions and the Hot Take Police. I don't they think still? they do it every day, but it happens often enough. Are they still doing there. that? It's okay. a branded segment on the ride with Royce. All right. Uh, they're just flat out stealing all of our guests. Super Bowl Radio Row Week, it was like a conveyor belt <laughs> of our guests into their show every single day. And then uh, any random day, probably two to three segments worth of complaining about our show in some form. We have programmed that show for the last four years and have received no royalty checks. I would just hold out my hand. Pat, it's time. You want Come on. Not time to retire, to but just like time to... You want your pound of flesh. You Come want on. your money. If you okay, were a right. musician and you heard someone you know, using your hook in their song and they didn't contact you, you'd be a little upset. That's all I'm saying. I got you. Can't wait till we see him. How about that Lance Lynn signing? Why didn't you come on with us that day? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. Good to see the Miguel Sano weight loss plan has taken effect this spring. We're watching the twins on FSN right now. You know what? That's G- the biggest I've ever seen him. God bless him. My gosh. Calories don't count to, to him. He clearly doesn't look. He doesn't pick up the the menu like I do now. He doesn't walk into Chipotle like I do now and look at all the calories. Yeah. He just orders the, um, he just gets the whole thing. Yeah, he uh, he definitely hasn't skipped a meal. Uh, Dave brought this to our attention sometime here in the last couple days. I just found it on Forbes. This is blatant disrespect uh, it's, uh, of the crown jewel of all the new stadiums yeah. in this town. 
Target Field, I think, remains the crown jewel, right? It's like they add new bars every year. It's the product on the field oh, is actually good now for the first bat time in a long time. Bat and Barrel now. The Bat and Barrel bar. I can't wait for that one. It's a it's a great... Well, you're being sarcastic. I'm yeah, being I'm serious. Not, I think it's a great no, ballpark. No, it's a great ballpark. I'm not happy about Bat and Barrel. That's all. So, ranking Forbes.com, ranking all 30 of MLB's ballparks, mm-hmm. first to worst. Let's just... Uh, let's go down the list here. Actually, this is a summation of the list. Let's scroll down here. So, number one, I have no problem with number one. AT&T Park, San Francisco... Opened in 2000. It's if, if you're a baseball fan, you haven't been there, go plan a weekend or whatever and go see a Giants game there. I've seen it's it. a ton of fun. Not but inside, it looks fantastic. Ocean behind it. Yep. You name it. McCovey Cove, yep. Number two, Camden Yards. That's been open for 25 years now. But the first one, that, that was the first retro ballpark, so that's okay to me too. The first, uh, what do you mean, the first new ball? That was the first new ballpark to, to be to look like an old ballpark. Okay. Because the White Sox opened... The warehouse and stuff. The new Comiskey opened in 91, and it was built like a football stadium, basically. Yeah, yeah. And And Camden was the first one where they actually got the HOK people to design it in the in the form of a throwback ballpark. They call it retro classic. Yeah. So, retro classic. But it's a great ballpark. I still like it to this day. Number three, Bush Stadium. So it's now the third it's, Bush Stadium. This is that's ridiculous. Open in two thousand six. I've been to one game there, and it, the Cardinals fans are fantastic baseball fans. That ballpark has no business being in the conversation with Target Field. Number four, Dodger Stadium, followed by PNC Park and Coors Field. A couple newer stadiums. I've never been to PNC. Been to Coors. Those are both. I have no complaints about those being high on the list. Yep. Fenway Park, Kauffman Stadium, number eight. I've never been there. I've been in it's, the. I've seen it, cool. but I've never been there. It's pretty cool. Never like been inside there. And they've say. got a cool little like Royals History Museum and stuff. All right. Nice uh, to gloss over Fenway, but go ahead. Well, we'll get back because I think go how you feel the about rat, the rat trap. But that's the thing. Like how you feel about old ballparks is going to factor in here. So Fenway Park definitely up there in terms of age next to Wrigley Field. Actually, Fenway opened before Wrigley. Uh, Petco Park nine, Wrigley ten, Safeco eleven. The new Yankee Stadium is 12th, which makes this list absolutely this this list loses all credibility by putting the new Yankee Stadium. 12th. I have I have never heard a positive review from anyone who's been there of that park. Uh, number 13, City Field. 14, Globe Life Park in Arlington, the which, Rangers ballpark, which is also being replaced, by the way. 15, Comerica Park, and 16, Target Field, just ahead of Miller Park. 17, mm-hmm. Target Field and Miller Park should not be next to each other on any list that doesn't involve geography. What? So how do you feel about the Twins and Target Field ranking 16th on this Forbes list? Uh, what, what disturbs me about this is this Forbes list is done by a guy named uh, Maury Brown, who is tagged as a, a national baseball writer, a BBWAA member of 20-plus years, and a sports business reporter. So he's supposed to know what the hell he's talking about. Here's my problem. All right. Bush Stadium. I've been there. It's really unimpressive. It doesn't have... He he basically put it number three because you can see the arch from there. Okay. Okay, the arch is okay, but come on. It's not number three. Uh Target Field should be I, I do not have I do not believe the Target Field has to be number one and it doesn't even have to be top three. For it not to be top ten is stupid. Well, I would say we, we almost have to come up with parameters or factors. Okay. If we were going to do this, I was having, it's funny that I didn't know this article had come out. I was having this conversation with a buddy earlier this week about like coming up with a, a list of factors or a set of factors 
And then based on those factors, and I don't know how you would have a vote or whatever, you could actually scientifically determine, you know, what the best stadiums are according to the people who experience baseball in those stadiums. So I think there for sure has to be, to the arch point, a scenic or surroundings factor. Sure. Like the fact that there's an ocean that, you know, you're you're overlooking a bay and PNC, in San Francisco. And PNC Park has a great view, too. Sure. Target this probably should be a top two park. Target two Field park. has an awesome skyline view. Yep. Now, maybe it would be better if they had built it down by the Stone Arch Bridge or by Hennepin Avenue Bridge or something. I don't know. But, like, scenic goes into it, for sure. Miller Park. It's an airplane hangar in the middle of a parking lot, mm-hmm. so it would it would be uh, you know points deducted. Mm-hmm. I think I think cleanliness, comfort, ease of getting around but, should be on the list, which is where uh, Dave would start to ding the Fenways and the Wrigleys. And then uh, and then to your point about views, though, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Kauffman Stadium, which I understand is a very nice old stadium, I think has a view of a freeway. It does, yeah. There's so no, there's no yeah. there's no view whatsoever. Now you do have the water fountain. Which helps with just gets kind of the ambience and there's it's a unique quirk that I think elevates Kauffman Stadium. Now history should be factored in, but that could be good or bad. So I like Wrigley Field's history and Fenway Park's history. Other people like Dave hate the history. You got to have some kind of a food and drink option. Some kind, I think product on the field should matter to some degree. I I think uh, also accessibility and and ability once in the park. To move freely becomes very important to me. Yeah, Tar- Target of getting Fi- around. Yeah. Target Field because tar- Target Field's great because you can buy a cheap seat there, walk around and go and go. You know, for a time span and watch a couple in- innings behind home plate, just standing up. I think Target Field. One of the marvelous things about that is the accessibility of the ballpark itself, and then the ability to move freely within said ballpark is important to yeah. me. Yeah. So, Dave, you you would not put. Obviously, you hate Fenway Park, but how do you feel about the parameters here, the factors? So I, scenic factor, cleanliness, history, good or bad. Lance Lynn just gave up a bomb, by the way, uh, to somebody. I knew they should have signed Alex Cobb. Um, you know, food and drink have to be included. Am I missing factors here? I, I don't think I would really include history. Well, but some people would for Wrigley and Fenway. Some, some people would, and it's fine to go once. That's always been my argument. I don't hate the history of those ballparks. I've been to Wrigley several times. I would love to go to Fenway Park. I've been outside, but not in for a game. But I wouldn't want it to be my home park. I wouldn't want to have to be sitting in cramped seats behind a bean Agree eating crappy that. hot dogs in a place that smells like 1920s feces. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, step right up and get your feces. Just $2. Get your feces. Wrigley Field in fairness. is really expensive for feces in the 20s. It is. Wrigley Field, in fairness, is being largely redone as well, though, Dave. So it's going to be nicer sit, now than it was. It is, but if you sit in the grandstand of Wrigley, it's, it's the same. You're still behind beams and you're still in a cramped little seat. Okay, if you're behind a beam, I see what you're saying, but, but there's still plenty of good seats as well. I mean, I wouldn't discount it. I, I think. The history of the ballpark and the fact that that so many things have have taken place there have something going okay, but like for it. Uh, this shouldn't be a Wrigley debate. What are the factors that matter when you're determining what's better than what? Like, why is you know for 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 Target Field the factors I just came up with the scenic factor? It's outside. It's it's a skyline. Um, you know, there's history. It's in the middle of the warehouse district. So I think the scenic factor surroundings. It's not the ocean. And maybe you'd put it below Bush Stadium because there's this iconic arch. So I can I can uh, I can I can get with Target Field not being number one or two on that list. But then when you account for like cleanliness, comfort, ease of getting around, food and drink options, things like that, 
Okay. You know, that's where if you combine all these factors, I'm what going, other factors I'm, matter? Oh, you could say, I mean, you could argue weather. You could ding Target Field because it's an outdoor stadium and April can be miserable. That's true. Doesn't bother me that much. I much prefer that to the alternative of because if you build, because the pro, my problem with um, Miller Park is that it's just an eyesore. I oh, think from the terrible. outside, right? But but my point is, my point is, if you're gonna ding it for what weather, then you would need to give points to the the ballparks that are are built as retractable roof domes or allow you to play through bad weather. And and when I when I drive by Miller Park, I see. I see what I believe to me to be an eyesore that that looks like a football stadium. So Miller Park would definitely score low on the scenic factor. Yes. Um, it, it, yes. it wouldn't score on like the historical significance yes. factor. Food and drink, not as good as other ballparks. Yeah, I have another Miller. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I if if I go if I go through the top fifteen of this list, uh leading up to Target Field, I eliminate behind Target Field. Bush Stadium should not be ahead of Target Field. The new Yankee Stadium should not be. No. City Field should not be. And I would say Globe Life Park in Arlington should not be. Don't forget Fenway and Wrigley. And that's totally like, yeah. But the, the taste of the baseball fan. But the point being is if this guy's a veteran Stadium's a, another one. A veteran oh, baseball man. guy, Target Field cannot be 16. It just, it just can't be. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. Dodger, I, Stadium, Dodger Stadium has been redone a bunch. It's very nice now. It's got history, but it, it would fall in, I think, to the category of what Dave is saying, which is you can either think that that's fantastic or be like, yeah, it's yeah. it's a little bit old. Uh, tweet us at Phil Mackey at fifteen hundred ESPN Judd Doogie's coming in here. Maybe he'll maybe he'll float something else that makes national headlines by the end of this scoop segment. We'll see. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. What are you trying to prove here anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement. Mackey and Judd. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is. It's pissing me off. On 1500 ESPN. Here he is, Mr. Controversy himself. Here to stir the pot and make national headlines for the second week in a row. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Full tie-in play for uh, for KSTP TV duties later today. Good afternoon, gentlemen. TGIF. Yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully Derek James is either listening or not listening. <laughs> and if he is, I mean, he quoted me correctly. Yeah. But the problem was, we talked to Andrew Wiggins last time I was in here for about five minutes. And whether it was Bleacher Report, Yahoo Sports, the big lead, they gravitated toward three words of our five-minute conversation. Yeah. So you, I mean, so, you, but... What you said wasn't shocking to us. It was just yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure players on the team. Um, I, well, I think I think what caught people off guard was more Wiggins complaining to teammates. But it was you could take that any number of different. So go follow up on it. I know it's probably been a crazy week. Complaining might be too strong. Certainly has brought up the topic with some guys in that locker room. Not all the guys. He has not gone to Tibbs. So. You can classify it however you want to. It's not that big of an issue. Yeah, It's not in Andrew Wiggins' DNA to be a malcontent, to pout, to be a distraction. He's far too passive. So, I mean, you can you can interpret it however you want. I can tell you some fallout from that headline that was on Bleacher Report, because Bleacher Report has 6.5 million Twitter followers. So once they picked up on it, now that was the same outlet that quoted a fake 
news guy on Twitter with Sheldon Richardson signing a three-year deal with the Vikings, but regardless, they have a machine out on the West Coast. They have a bunch of people just monitoring Twitter at all times, and they will write anything and everything without fact-checking. But they have 6.5 million Twitter followers, so if they put something out there, it can blow up. I can tell you this much. I had a high-ranking Wolves employee reach out to me and say, Tibbs is not sending you a Hanukkah present. (laughs) Now, I've not talked to Tibbs since then. I don't know what Tibbs thinks, thinks of me. Well, he said consider the source, which is, I don't know. Although, well, I had that secondhand from a Wolves employee. I never tracked down the audio. He did say something about the character of an individual, but he was referring to Andrew Wiggins. He was not referring to my character. So you hear something secondhand, and it gets lost in translation oftentimes. It's really not that big of a story. I think it's good talk radio fodder. I also opined, so there's a difference. I was not reporting that Andrew Wiggins could potentially go to them in the offseason just to get some clarity on his situation, maybe even broach the idea of what it makes some sense to move on from me. That was me opining. That was not me reporting that. I was just making the leap, the logical leap, that if he is a bit unhappy or unsure about his role, maybe that was the better way to say it. It's been an adjustment year for Andrew Wiggins. You look at his usage rate last year compared to this year, he's just he's being used differently. Now, it's been different the last few weeks with Jimmy Butler out of the lineup. But, but yeah, I was shocked that it went as viral and national as it did because, to me, it really wasn't that it was big trending. of a topic. It was a good three, four-minute topic here yeah. for this segment. It wasn't much beyond that. Uh, go for hockey. Don Lucia resigns, pushed out, maybe a combination of both, in my opinion at least. Uh, he is now out, though. Um, my guess is that the first call goes to Motsko, at least once they're done playing, if there have not been overtures already, Doogie. What are you hearing as far as that job? Uh, is earmarked for someone, or how big the search is going to be now? Well, I think there's already been phone calls. Now, whether Motsko has already been called or you wait, I mean, either Motsko is going on to the Frozen Four with a two-week break in between this weekend and the Frozen Four, or his season will be done here in a couple days. So I don't know if they've reached out specifically to Motsko, but yes, you reach out to Motsko. At worst, he says what? No, but you have to try on Bob Motsko. I did tape a conversation for the Scoop Podcast, which I'll finish later this afternoon. I taped it last night with Mike Gensel. Mike will be in the mix. He told me he's... Doing his prep. He's been doing prep. So in the next few days, talking to some other people, my sense is the search will move relatively fast. I think maybe by this time next week, next Friday, Friday afternoon, we'll have news of who the new coach is. Is this a, just a coil production w- with a couple of, of influential well, McGinnis is involved. No, I mean, we some need other search people. Firm. We need a search firm for this, Doogie. Yeah, I will, you don't I will need not that, be though. satisfied until a search firm tells me which five... <laughs> Bob Motzko, that's the $150,000. Well, and Coyle's right-hand man is John Cunningham. Phil knows John. So, I mean, John, even though he's more a basketball guy, John will have his fingerprints on it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's mostly a Mark Coyle production. Okay. But, yeah, certainly Gensel will get an interview. Grant Patoni will get an interview. Motzko, you know, I don't know yet on Todd Richards. I don't yet know on Tom Ward. Don't bother with Todd. But I'm just telling you, I get the sense. Now, it won't move as fast as football. I mean, football was, what, four or five days won't be four or five days, but I do think, just from talking to multiple people, that we should have some news by this time next week on who the new coach yeah. is. Uh, so the Twins, are uh, they've got some roster crunch decisions to make. Miguel Sano has not been informed, and presumably the club has not been informed one way or the other on him. 
What are you hearing about Twins roster decisions? Or what are you able to speculate with uh, educated guesses, Doogie? Well, I know that Mike Napoli's camp reached out to Derek Falvey today. Yeah, he was to released. Yeah. yeah, the Indians let him go. Could the Twins use some power on the bench? Would there be some interest? I haven't heard if if the message has been returned. But, I mean, that's what agents do. I mean, they're reaching out to Falvey and Levine pretty regularly. Adam Rosales was just released by the Phillies, an infielder who can play shortstop, second base, third base. Had a good run a couple years ago with the Padres. Early 30s. Presumably he'll land somewhere if you're looking for a backup infielder. Would he make some sense? So, I actually think they'll make a move. I think maybe the 25th man on the opening day roster isn't currently on the roster. Okay. So they will pick up somebody in the coming days. How about that? I'll give you that. Okay. I don't know who it is. I really, this... Uh, I thought Marrero was an interesting name. I heard on my drive-in Dan Hayes from The Athletic on with you guys. Yeah. That Marrero of the Red Sox is out of options. You know, could there be a move there? So I think there's somebody out there that's on a different roster right now that will be in a Twins uniform in the next week. One thing I really like about this roster construction, the bullpen, for instance. You know, you're, Ryan Presley is a guy who could break out Ryan Presley is a guy that has 95, 96 mile an hour fastball. I love his stuff. And he might be like your fifth or sixth. I mean, he might be the mm-hmm. in a seven-man bullpen right now. He's like sixth in the pecking order. And so what if a guy like him pops up and now Addison Reed and him and and Hildenberger continues his, his run from last year, right? I mean, they've put themselves in a spot where they don't have to just pray to God that these five players work out. You can send Alan Buznitz to the minor leagues. You're going to go back to AAA. Sorry. Um... Fernando Romero, you're going to have to pitch really well in the first two months of the minor league season, and then we might consider you're not relying on you got more depth, I guess. Oh, I think they have more depth now than they've had in many, many years. Yes. I think AAA's roster is stacked. I mean, they can call upon a number of guys. I mean, Tyler Duffy to me has major league stuff, so Tyler Duffy will be back with the Twins at some point. Certainly, Boosnitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Romero will be up at some point. Gonzalez will be up at some point. The lefty they got from Arizona, he's got an option, right? So he probably ends up at AAA Moya, but he'll be back up at some point. They have so many different options. They love this outfielder Lamar, you know, but he'll probably still, start at he's Rochester. He's still, still with them, correct? He's still with he's them right now. Cut, yeah. He's having a phenomenal spring now, depending on how much stock you put in right. the spring numbers. I was told by somebody close to Lamar, he will accept a minor league assignment. So he's got an option to leave, mm-hmm. but he's comfortable starting the year in Rochester. And Ibar said no, correct? Yes. He has said no. So he, yes, he's he got the same agent as Miguel Sano. They figure he can land Dukes, somewhere what, else. Dukes, uh, from the people you talk to, what's the what's the internal feeling, which they clearly probably don't want to share publicly, on the Sano situation as far as the amount of time this has taken? Uh, I predict it might come today just because it, it, it's the sure, Friday before Friday news dump. Day, yeah. Friday news dump. But if you're the twins, and, and I understand it's sensitive, and, and Sano put himself in this predicament, so I'm not excusing it. But what is your what are you hearing from people who are waiting and waiting and waiting and still don't have an answer on his status for the start of the season? Thad Levine gave me the political response. I had him on the podcast late last week, Scoop Podcast episode 134 toward the end of our conversation. I just said, is it frustrating? What is taking Major League Baseball so long? And he said, "Hey, it's a thorough investigation. They can take as long as they want." I do get the sense that the Twins are are hearing that it is absurd the amount of people that Major League Baseball has reached out to. I mean, from, heck, there's a blogger we know that Major League Baseball has reached out to. 
Like, why are you reaching out to a blogger? Well, this is where, like, I don't want to speculate too much. It's just, it's nuts. But, and I'm sorry, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, so no, I need no, to no. get some orange juice in me. But it is absurd, the amount of people that they have reached out to. I don't think it's absurd because I think in this particular case, I think Major League Baseball wants to leave no stone unturned in terms of the story. There's holes to poke in the story that before you, you know, that there's there's things that I would want to know if I were investigating the same story. And, and I think Major League Baseball has taken two months to try and turn over those stones. But are you investigating just what took place at Ridgedale? Yes. Or That's more the than accusation. That. All right. Well, in this case, this blogger wasn't at Ridgedale. Okay. okay. Well, what? Well, whatever. What? What mall were was? You're saying that? What are you saying that they're interviewing people from the wrong mall or what? No, no. What I'm saying is, trying to is, find out about like his character. I mean, yes, okay, and yeah. people that also know. Yeah. The woman that's right. making the allegations. But that's fine, right? But if you've heard stuff secondhand, thirdhand, didn't experience anything firsthand, I just I think that's a slippery slope. I get no stone unturned. But I'm just telling you, I do think it's absurd the amount of people they have reached out to. Yeah, and I guess, like, I mean, this is, I, I guess I'm fine with, in these cases where we're so quick to rush to judgment, and it's a, it's a difficult climate to navigate, we love to decide on something first and then backtrack and do, you know, our due diligence on whether the facts were lined up. So if baseball wants to, now, is it annoying if I'm Derek Falvey that I'm trying to construct the damn roster of Paul Molitor? And I don't know who my third baseman's going to be. And my shortstop's out for 80 games? Absolutely. But if we're talking about labeling and branding a player or vice versa, you know, labeling or branding a woman one way or the other, I'm okay with talking to as many people as possible. That's my stance on it anyways. I'll leave you with this on Sano. I will continue to be surprised if it's a lengthy suspension. Could they suspend him for a game? Maybe that opening series? I suppose, but yeah. I'm just telling you, I don't expect it to be, would this be the, a 15, 20, 30 game suspension. Would, would this be the first uh, suspension for um, off-field conduct like this that comes without a police report? Because with Araldis Chapman, there, there was a, was a think, police report, I think there have right? been about three or four uh, previous suspensions under this exact same rule, and I want to say they've usually, if not all, those have come with a police report. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Which it's would, out of my but, head. But, yeah, which would be possible. why they're trying to d- dig into his character. Sure. Because if you're going to suspend him for, let's say, 15 games or something, yeah. without a police report, it's going to be much more murky and dicey to do. Well, I mean, if they're trying to figure out his character, I mean, there are stories out there. So, I mean, I guess it's possible he gets suspended for... A game or two. I'm just telling you. Yeah. 30 games would surprise me. This is also where, you know, and all sports are dealing with this. I mean, college sports, this is, we've had a couple of cases at the U of M where, all right, there's no criminal activity or nothing that rose to the level of having enough, you know, enough proof. Okay, so what is that middle ground and how do you punish in that middle ground? And that's where, that's where this case lies with Miguel Sano. Very difficult, but you know what? I mean, I can't fault a woman if they don't go to the police. Because there's so much shaming that goes on. You know, we can't put ourselves in the shoes of these women that have gone through some of these things. You know, so it's just, it's very, very complicated. How about yeah. that? Doogie, uh, good stuff. Anything else quick before we uh, send you back to TV land? I don't think so. No, no. Hoping to connect with Tom Compton, the new Vikings offensive lineman later today. I know he was meeting with his real estate agent this afternoon. Kirk so right Cousins' on. best friend. I'm waiting for that meeting to end, and hopefully I'll connect with Tom late this afternoon. Right on. That's Thanks, Doogie dudes. from the Scoop Podcast and KSGP TV. You can subscribe and find his podcast on 1500ESPN.com, the new 1500ESPN mobile app, or anywhere you would generally find podcasts. Mackie and Judd. 
Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. Along with joining me tonight at Saks in Vadness Heights, 530 to 7.30. And Matthew Collar tomorrow night, Willie McCoy's in Bloomington. You can join Johnny Height and 1500 ESPN at Wild Board Hopkins 1-3 to on Sunday for the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament viewing party. Basketball, prizes galore, bracketology, and fantastic beer specials sponsored by Dos Equis. All the details on all the viewing parties, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave. All right, Trey chimes in on our baseball stadium rankings discussion. Mm-hmm. This this all started, this is uh, Trey Hamilton on Twitter here, just tweets into the show. This all started with Forbes ranking Target Field 16th out of 30, so not even in the top half of stadiums, which is just, I know we're a little bit biased because we're clearly sitting here as people who go to that ballpark on a regular basis, but all right, I can see AT&T Park, I can see... You could even, I'm not going to die on the hill of top five. I think it's a top five stadium. Not going to die on the hill. Not top 15? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, here's another factor to add in. Tailgate factor at Miller Park, Trey said. Now, now Miller Park, just to, be, just to be clear, was 17. It was right behind Target yeah. Field. So we're not even complaining about it. I just said it's not attractive. I, I here, Here's my thought on tailgate factor. So for football, when you're when you're in the stadium for three hours, you're super hyper focused on the game. You're you're just you're actively watching everything that's happening on the field. It's third and ten, and you're ready to. In baseball, it's more of a passive viewing sport where you can kind of wander around, you can miss an inning or whatever, and or three. So it's to me tailgating is much more important pregame for games. If you're going to go to a game and be all in engaged. At a baseball game, I don't think the tailgate factor matters as much. If you have a great stadium, you tailgate during the game. You just go in with your friends and you hang out places and you and you sit in the seats together and enjoy good food and stuff, right? That's yeah. how, So I don't think the tailgate factor for a baseball stadium matters as much. In M- Milwaukee, it does just because their life revolves around that for Packers or Brewers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't – it's not something that that you miss here to me. It's not important here. But the problem with the list of stadiums above Target Field was I have yet to, to talk to a fan who's been to New Yankee Stadium who has said a good thing about it. And that was above it on above Target Field on th- the list. City Field sounds like it's very a- average. That was above yeah, I've never it. never been to City Field. I've been to New Bush Stadium. It's number three. It does nothing for me. It is, in fact... I went there when, when I covered uh, the Blues Wild Series a couple of years back, and they played at 7 o'clock at night. There was a Brewers-Cardinals game in, in the afternoon, so I drove down there and went to the game and walked around. As I recall from uh, center field, basically, you couldn't see a thing. It wasn't open. Some parts were, not a lot. So I'm with you. Target field, if you stick it outside the top five, that's fine. I think it might be top five, but if it's outside that top five, that's fine. But really, more than halfway down a list, sixteen. That that's where I think it's sort of silly. On the tailgate front, too, would you guys rather have Target Field where it is right now, it's, or it's you can you can walk out the door and go like to Kieran's or anywhere you want to go? You can go to you can go to Manny's, Murray's, whatever. It's not or close. would you rather it be in a parking lot in Blaine? Target Field. That's exactly what I was going to say. You've got dozens of bars and restaurants with an easy walking distance. I've always mm-hmm. said that that the Brewers, in my opinion, the Brewers, when they tore down County Stadium, should have built downtown, but they would never allow that. 
because they live and die with tailgating. But couldn't, but here's the thing, like, you could change, I think people would get over that. Don't you think Miller Park would be a lot cooler, first of all, if you just, hey, let it be outdoors, because... Target Field's outdoors. Chicago's got outdoor stadiums. Yeah, like you can be outdoors. You're going to have a few snow outs and stuff. But you've got lakefront. You could have put that stadium. It could have been lakefront by Water Wrigley, Street. Right. By exactly. Water Street. It it would have been fantastic. The other thing I always found strange was was hanging on to tailgating for 81 home dates in in an era where. Drunk driving is frowned upon now a lot. It's like, hey, hey, let's go out to the parking lot and have 12 more beers, and I got to go home now because I'm tailgating, which naturally means I drove my car here. I always found it really weird that, that they still embraced the concept of getting full of booze and then being like, hey, Joe, the beer's all gone. Got to drive yeah. home now. Well, didn't that See con- you tomorrow's game. That concept started when if you did run into that situation back in like the 70s or the 80s, an officer would just trail you home. Oh, yeah. You just, just make of, sure you get yes. home okay. Yeah, you'd... Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I found it very odd that they that they cling to this thing, which really, when you think about it, defeats a lot of purposes now, which is be smart about things. Yeah, exactly. By the way, Jeremiah Searle signed with the Panthers. Norv. Norv's got them all. He's, yeah, bring, getting the band back together. Jarius Wright, Jeremiah Searles. Go through that, that whole list of guys Norv's trying to recruit down to Carolina. Yeah, and Tom Johnson's Seahawks. That might have been yesterday, but that happened, too, in case you today. haven't been following. Or today. I think you're right. All right, we're back on uh, Monday. You're back tomorrow. No, you're out of, the, you're out of town I'm this weekend. Going to Iowa. I'll see you so later. We're back on Monday. You See can find later. our podcast on the Mackie and Judd show page at 1500ESPN.com or uh, the new mobile app, too.